0: Hi guys, salam. I'm Aida, a writer who loves to talk. And welcome to another episode of the Ida Aslin show. Joining me this week is my inspiring guest, Sumaya Nasaruddin, or Sumi, as we all affectionately call her. I don't know how to say this, but let me just go straight out and say that Sumi is like a dream elder sister whom I never had. <laughs> because not only does she make super cool clothes at her brand in Olum, she also shares really cool gems like the sirah the Quran with such passion and her love for her faith and the deen is just so contagious that I think I was smiling like 99% of my conversation with her I think when you hear this episode you're gonna know exactly what I mean so in this episode Sumi candidly shares about how she fell in love with her Muslim identity how she doesn't shy away from calling her business a muslimah business not a modest fashion brand but a muslimah business her beautiful life lessons that i think we can all learn from and just her experience living in saudi i actually spoke to sumi for another hour after we stopped recording that's how much i enjoyed my conversation with her and it is my sincere hope that you'll feel the same way too Without further ado, here's my conversation with Sumaya Nasaruddin. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Ida Azlin show. And today with me is this bubbly, super beautiful, super optimistic Sumaya Nasaruddin. Assalamualaikum Sumi. Hello. Can I call you that?
1: Waalaikumsalam. Yes, yeah, can, can, Ken can, can. Everybody calls me Sumi anyway.
0: Yeah okay. First, I need to get this out of the way. Why is your Instagram handle Sumi Jones? Who is Jones? Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this one time, I was so
1: like into adventures. You know, I have my phases in life. And this one time, my <laughs> chum, I just took a love to dress to allum on, and it was all about adventure. And then my like, tiba tiba, I felt like Indiana Jones. <laughs> and then I felt like I had to change it to Sumi Jones. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a lame story, <laughs> Allah, but oh, well, that's the truth, so I'm like, yes, I'm going to look for like some adventure And plus, you know, like I'm so used to wearing dresses and mm. like, you know, I like to berhias and everything mm-hmm. And then suddenly, my like, charm. my husband's like, yeah, let's go masuk hutan, let's go in the <laughs> desert and I'm like, ooh, you know, I needed some motivation okay. So calling myself Jones, kind of like, okay lah, can lah, something lah
0: I see that's interesting. So, I will try to um, assume that personality, Ida Jones, whenever my husband tells me to masuk as well.
1: Does it work? It does, Alhamdulillah. It did work for me. <laughs> you know, it stuck around on my Instagram for some time. Yeah. So, I'm thinking it's not bad.
0: Oh, inshallah. Okay. So, now, because I was always wondering, like, Sumi Jones, it has such a nice ring to it. But I've always wondered, like... Who is this Jones? Okay, so interesting. I will... The next time go. I see your username, you I, I will now think of a hutan. <laughs> yes,
1: it's all about <laughs> hutan.
0: Mm. Okay, so Sumaya is such a beautiful name.
1: Oh, Alhamdulillah. Yes, it is.
0: Whenever I, I think of the name Sumaya, it, it reminds me of the sira, right? So I want to know if... You have a favourite memory of that name, whether it be mm-hmm. attached to you or attached to the Sira. And how did Sumi came about from Sumaya?
1: Okay, I really, really am passionate about the Sira now because that's what I'm learning. Mm-hmm. I think when I started to want to know more about Islam, can we are born Muslims, can? So along the way, we suddenly discovered, oh my God, I need to know Islam by myself, can. And then when I got to know um, that my name meant something, it really like, made me so happy. Mm-hmm. It really fits well with me. But then mm-hmm. when I started my journey with Sira, then I really, really embraced that name. Because um, that name has such a beautiful history. Mm. It's kind of hard to live up to the name Sumayyah because uh, the person died a Shahid. She was so brave. She was a matriarch of her family. Yeah. You know, I think um, during that time, I mean, I can go on and on about Sirah because I really like it. She was such a brave woman and I am very happy that my mom gave me that name.
0: MashaAllah. Yeah, she was the first martyr of Islam, right? Yep, yeah, she was. MashaAllah. When you first understood the story behind your name, what changed for you? Did something change for you? Like, did it give you an added inspiration?
1: For sure, because I don't know why, but when I learned the sirah,
0: I feel like I'm proud to
1: be a Muslim. I have a sense of pride um, that I am a Muslim. Just because I feel, maybe in our times, the times that we are living, being a Muslim, I don't know, people kind of like want to shy away from it. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like this is the best part of who I am. Uh, after mm-hmm. I did Sirah, then I realized Islam is the best part of who I am. And I belong in this one group of people that is so amazing. They're like giants among us. Mm-hmm. And I can be part of them if I choose to follow the Sunnah. Mm-hmm. So we've got the Quran and the Sunnah. And following the Sirah journey, is like I feel I'm part of that, that group Mashallah. of people. Uh, yeah. I can be part of all these amazing people. So that's when I have this sense of pride to be a Muslim. Even in the fashion industry, sometimes people want to shy away and say, oh, I'm doing modest fashion. I'm like, no, no, I'm a Muslimah. <laughs> I'm a Muslimah. <laughs> people want to like shy away from that. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to be identified as Muslimah. Something they take it as an insult if people call you like a Muslimah company but i i love it you embrace like, that's it that's my identity i mm. love it like call me a muslima that's me uh 100 mm. i i would love to be part of that group lah, after doing sirah because of that name alhamdulillah
0: mm. mashaAllah okay Two things, you can't see it, but I can see Sumi and she is literally like glowing when she speaks about the Sira. Sira. She was like literally beaming. She's like, I'm proud of it. This is my favorite part of my identity. I think that is something that I've never heard someone say. The favorite part of me is that I'm Muslim. I just thought that's beautiful. Like, I need a second to just digest this, you know, because it's something that as a born Muslim, it's so embedded in you. So you don't even think that it mm. could be a favourite mm. part. Like, if someone were to ask me what's my favourite part about myself, that that wouldn't be my, my answer. But I feel like it should be my answer and it could be my answer if... I take it upon myself to, like you, fall in love with the sirah. To get to know mm. and understand about our history and how Rasulullah mm. and his sahabas and his companions so have done nice. so much just for us to yeah. practice this beautiful religion today with ease. Right. Yes, yes. That's so beautiful.
1: What's nice about like my name is that the people who have my name and the group that I would like to belong to, they're not perfect. Mm. They're not perfect. You know, that's the nice bit about stories. Uh, we learn about Rasulullah, so which is salam. the most perfect human being. But then the other bits and bobs, the people who actually belong in that group, they're not perfect. Like they mm-hmm. love dunya, but they love Allah more. Mm. You see? Uh, that is something that I feel like it's inspiring. Uh, mm. about being a Muslim. It's like we're always in tengah-tengah. Balance. It's not like we reject this dunya. You know, it's like we love this dunya. We love beautification. We love all this. Yet, we love Allah Ta'ala more. So, it's important to be, to try our best to be obedient to Allah. Because mm. that love is more than the love mm. of dunya. So, I think that is the best part about being a Muslim. It's like we learn the sirah. It's about real people. And they struggle.
0: I think that's the thing that there's a disconnect. When you learn about the sirah, you feel like, oh, these are just figures of the past. There's like this detachment, but that is a wrong angle or wrong lens to look at it. These are people who have lived. These are people who have emotions, who have tears, who worry like us, who smile and laugh and cry like us and who feel pain and happiness just like us, right? Yes.
1: And they sin just like us. Exactly. They sin too. They make mistakes too. And it's so amazing how yeah. after one mistake and another, they just keep on trying. And exactly. then, oh, I've got so many stories. But
0: okay, wait, we'll go there. MashaAllah. May we reunite with them in the highest level of Jannah, inshaAllah. I, mean. I mean, I mean. Okay, this is what's supposed to happen in an interview. I was supposed to ask you to introduce yourself first, but we straight away oh. jump to the Sira. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no, it's my
1: sorry, fault. Sorry, it's sorry, my bit. fault.
0: For those people who don't know you, Sumi, can you just introduce yourself?
1: Okay. Uh, Assalamualaikum, everybody. My name is Sumaya. But um, you can call me Sumi because this is something that my family calls me. Actually, Sumi is an intimate name that my family calls me. It started from my um, sister, Asma. I think most of you guys know her. You've interviewed her before. Yeah. Uh, I am a sister. I'm a daughter. I am a wife. And then, obviously, I've got a job. I make clothes for muslimah i think that's it just yeah. to add
0: she makes beautiful clothes for muslimahs you need to oh, say your brand you come so on
1: much. so um, my brand is called Alam, and uh, it's based in malaysia um yeah and i'm and i love i love to berhia so i think i have the perfect job <laughs> the
0: perfect alhamdulillah job. <laughs> You do have a really, really awesome job, mashallah. Okay, and we'll get to Olam in a bit. But you have a very, very interesting background because you were actually given um, the scholarship to study Islamic studies, right? In Scotland.
1: Yes, correct.
0: Okay, but then somewhere along the line, you founded a fashion brand. Yes, (laughs) yes. So I want to know, like, how did that happen? Like, take us through that part of your life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best planner because
1: mm-hmm. um, who who among us does not like... I mean, if we're a woman, it, it comes naturally, right, for us to, you know, want to be interested in fashion and all that. But I also have an interest in Quran and all that, you know, that kind of like keeps me at bay,
0: I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it keeps you grounded.
1: If not, I don't know what's going to happen <laughs> to me. Oh my God. So um, I kind of like, whenever I pursue something... Alhamdulillah, Allah always um, opened a way for me to pursue them both together. So, when I discovered about this scholarship, this Al-Maktoum scholarship, it was about like people who wanted, who were interested to study Islam or Muslims uh, in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And I, I jumped on it. I, I was like, yes, you know, because... It's not just I can attend a school that could um, teach me a little bit about Quranic uh, lessons, but also I could make a study on Muslim fashion blogging, which I did, you mm-hmm. know. And my supervisors completely which I'm, supported me. They were mm-hmm. 100% say yes, study Muslims and how fashion relate to as part of our identity as Muslims. And yeah, they were so supportive. So Alhamdulillah, Allah taala opened that path for me. So, after I finished my master's, which was a year, and I did research on um, fashion blogging among Muslim women, then I had the opportunity to start my company, which Mm. is to make uh, fashionable clothes for Muslim women. Again, you know, it's like that
0: combination. Yeah. Yeah. It just like fell into place. Yes, subhanallah, it did. How did your experience in Scotland? um, Because I don't think there's a lot of Muslims in Scotland, no?
1: No, I don't think there's a lot of Muslims in Scotland. Definitely
0: not. Was it the first time you were overseas? No, but you were in Australia, Ken.
1: So it was a different experience for me uh, when I was wearing the scarf um, in uh, Scotland. Because when I was in Australia, I was not wearing the scarf. When I was in the UK, um, when I did my first degree, my law degree, I wasn't wearing the scarf. So, um, yeah, it was a completely different experience when I was in Scotland.
0: Did it make you grow closer to Allah? Because I always feel like when you wear the hijab in a foreign environment, although people may think it's challenging, it's actually mm-hmm. a great avenue to grow closer to Allah. I don't know how to explain it. like Because you know how you like grow closer to Allah through every struggle that you go through? And mm-mm, that was what mm-mm. happened to me when I went to the UK with the hijab for the first time. And I felt like... I see. I felt really close to Allah. Like only Allah understood how I felt.
1: Subhanallah. Subhanallah. So how
0: was your experience in Scotland um, with the hijab?
1: Pretty hard, obviously, because we are a minority. Firstly, we were a minority. And secondly, me and my husband, we had a few debts to settle. So even though he was working as an engineer, but we lived a very low-profile life. Um, Mm -hmm. I took a lot of the bus, you know. Um, I took a lot of public transportation, I also lived in parts of UK, in Scotland, that was kind of like that had pubs, obviously, uh, the lower end of Mm -hmm. Nila. Because I was wearing the scarf, it's very easy for men who are drunk to kind Uh, of like, you know, verbally abuse me or physically assault me, which is kind of a norm uh, because I thought it only happened to me and to some of my friends who wear the scarf as well. Put it on my social media or my Instagram and say this happened to me. Then another of my friend who used to stay where I stayed, she's like, oh my God, somebody used to throw stones at me as well while, whilst I was walking. And I was like, wow. oh, so it wasn't just me or my friends. It's like, you know, the scarf is kind of like a flag. And I guess we become a target for mm. people to sort of exit their physical violence, mm. I suppose. But there was also another hardship that comes with being overseas and, as well. And that is we have to look for our own support. you know, we don't have our family with us. So, so when we go overseas, we have to depend on our friends or USRA or people at the mosque. And truthfully, it's not easy. For Uh, sure. We have to... Put ourselves out there. Yes, put ourselves out there. Put a lot of effort in, in having really good relationships with people. Because even though subhanallah they are muslims and we connect in terms of spirituality but in terms of culture it's a whole completely different story
0: for sure yeah. you know
1: how do we connect with a person who's algerian nigerian or you know and there's reverts oh there's like wow you know lots of like jumbled up communities yes at the mosque and alhamdulillah it's a blessing but it is also a challenge challenge. so i feel like these two things make it Mm. quite tough Mm.
0: i love how you kept it real these are issues that a lot of us who have to study overseas or work overseas these are things that we have to go through as well but i always believe that allah will not put you in any position that you cannot handle so the fact that yes. you know for for those of us who are privileged and blessed enough to go overseas to expand our horizons take it as a challenge to come out of our comfort zone right Yes yeah Okay after Scotland then you move to Saudi right So you are yes. currently in Saudi yes. and um Mm-mm. I feel like a lot of your life uh, runs parallel to mine, which is why I was very interested in interviewing you Mm. because it's been Mm. a while as well since I've been back to Singapore. I've always, you know, wondered or like want to learn from women who are no longer based in their home country, but are thriving. And I feel like you are thriving in Saudi because you are running your business, um, you're doing your thing, and I'm sure it's a far cry from what you've experienced in Scotland, right?
1: Alhamdulillah.
0: Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So what do you think changed? Was it because the country changed or because you changed or it was a mix of both for you?
1: So when I first came to Saudi, I felt like this sucks. Because, um, alhamdulillah, my husband is making not bad, you know, and I can wear my scarf. But I did not like the fact that I have to wear an abaya all the time. I did not like that I have to wait for my husband to be at home so I can, you know, he can take me out. Mm. I felt like there were so many things that, I'm not really happy about la. But because my husband was making, alhamdulillah, like uh, uh, much better, Uh, the company over here takes care of my husband much better than when he was in UK. So that kept me very much happy la. But there were some things that I was not really happy about. However, okay, however, this is why I feel Islam is the truth. Like everything depends on my husband. I want to go out, you know, like he has to drive me and then I have to wear the abaya and then, you know, women are wearing the niqab. And then when I'm in town, like small towns, I have to wear the niqab because men will look at me like I'm funny. You know, they will be like, ooh, woman not wearing something, you know. Interesting. But when I did started to wear the abaya, I loved it. When my husband started to drive for me all around, I loved it. I had to wear the niqab. I didn't have to actually, but it just made me feel more comfortable when I'm in kampung. Uh, kampung people tend to be more conservative. So I just didn't like men looking at me and, you know, like an alien. I mm. didn't have to wear the niqab, but I just mm. feel more comfortable. So when I wore the niqab, I loved it. Mm. And now I don't have to wear the niqab, but I love going out wearing the niqab. Mm. I thought it was forced on me and then when I experienced it, I'm so happy. It made sense. Like, this life just made me feel like as a woman i feel more easier and there's a sense of contentment that i just cannot describe you know Mm. and this place i'm in it is a really blessed place i this again this is my experience because you know when we're in malaysia and when we are in um, uk or something everything is in kind of like small small just small cars and small knee but everything in saudi is huge huge cars and then the desert is very vast and then something about this place that makes me feel like it's so vast it's mm. so and the people are kind of I mean the people are not perfect but they're kind of like chill uh-huh. they are the car bula my husband it's his fault and my husband's like you you hit me and the guy looks at him and says Qadar of Allah <laughs> The guy looks at it and says, it's Qadar of Allah. Like, if you want to get pissed off one, like, it's the Qadar. And yeah, my yeah. like, yeah, that's true, but you're going to pay for my yeah. car, okay, but okay, yeah, it's Qadar of Allah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's...
0: That's why you said you feel content because everything that is happening in your day-to-day life is reminding you that there is this Rob that is, controlling everything and making sure everything goes smoothly
1: yes yeah and the islamic culture that the saudi have oh my god like you have to be here to experience it like they when they talk to you everything is a dua oh the way they greet you greeting you would take half an hour for them how's your mother how's your father alhamdulillah um everything is a dua for them this place is just not normal and to me uh, because I've lived in all places and this place is a place, bless- I have no idea how to describe it. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect because this is still dunya, but of all the places that I have ever lived, uh, the culture, the people, um, subhanAllah, and the fact that my husband has been, been taken care of quite well from his company, I think I've hit jackpot
0: in <laughs> life. MashaAllah. That's beautiful. I think what you've experienced in Saudi is a lot like what I experienced in Morocco. Because in the beginning, ah. I felt exactly what you felt. It sucks. I cannot go out without my husband. People look at you. Men will catcall. I don't think it happens in Saudi, but in Morocco it does. Oh, no,
1: no, no. Saudi does not catcall. Okay, macam Kalau kampung, they look, but then they turn. But it just makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Saudi, okay, that's the difference. Uh, Saudi, they don't catcall and... For them, punya status am a tinggi tao. So we can get away with a lot of things here. Oh, if like, there's Allah. a guy and then there's a girl, even when one time a guy stopped my husband, like a police, because he was doing something wrong, they will never do it in front of me, out of respect. Oh, they will call my husband Allah. to the corner and then they will have a talk, Hey, okay, this is not allowed. You're breaking the law right now. Oh, that's beautiful. Like, the way Saudi treat women, like, I cannot explain it. I've only experienced it here. Hmm...
0: Wow, inshallah. This is a refreshing perspective on how like um, mm. they treat women because it's a thing that, that is always on my mind, how women are being respected. Um, and you can see it differs from culture to culture, from country to country. Yes. But yes. at the end of the day, we have to go back to what Islam teaches us, right? And that, you know, in Islam, yes. woman is extremely, extremely sacred. That we are supposed to be protected. We're supposed to be cared for. And that's why you felt good when your husband drove you around. It's something that we deserve to be. Yeah.
1: Like I felt like, yeah. And I love to cover here. Yeah, like you have no idea how much I love wearing the niqab here. Mm. I feel like I'm so dignified. I have no way to explain about mm. the niqab.
0: So would you, would you say to me that depending on where you are, it changes a little bit? Because you don't you don't wear the niqab in Malaysia when you go back, right?
1: No, I don't. No, I don't. Um, but niqab is not um, wajib. For women, yeah. um, There are scholars that say it is compulsory, wajib, but I take the opinion that it's not. But our mothers used to wear it and they yes. are the um, pinnacle of what it means to be a Muslim woman. They are yeah. the highest example, the best. Yeah. I think at one point, Ida I might start wearing it no matter um, where inshallah. I am because... Because I feel so protected wearing it. There's no way to express um, the kind of feeling that I get. It's just that when I'm in Malaysia, I just don't like it because I don't like people judging me for it.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: people look at me funny. And this one time, like I wore the niqab just by chatting at my mom, like, And then she looked at me and she's like, why are you wearing the niqab? Like, it's so alien to our culture. Yeah, You get me? Like, if you wear the niqab, it means you are so pious. But it has nothing to do with piety for me. Mm. It's such a nice feeling. It's so Mm. nice as a woman to wear the niqab and not have men look at me. I don't know why. But It's so nice for men not to look at me.
0: (laughs) You know? InshaAllah, may Allah ease your journey towards wearing it, if it's the best for you. And may Allah send you... um, strength and patience and courage, just like your name for you to wear, inshallah. Ameen. Ameen,
1: Ameen, ya Rabban Amin.
0: I love it. I love it. Okay, so I have another question that I want to ask you. I want to talk about Olam now. So you launched Love to Dress, right? Mm -hmm. And then it went Mm -hmm. through a huge rebranding, a huge redirection to Olam. So would you say that your business grows side by side with you because i'm sure like when you created love to dress you were a different version of sumaya and then when you pivoted to olam you are another version of sumaya yeah so i wanted to ask like how did that pivot happen like was there a significant event that happened and then you're like oh my god i have to change my direction or was it like a gradual thing Okay, um,
1: I think I want to reveal to you something that is very personal and very as difficult. Well. But I hope the people that hear this, it's going to be my first time actually. Um, really? Saying it in public. Yes, I think um, um, I'm inspired by this person called Kaab in the Sira. When he revealed something wrong that he did, because it made people learn from it. Uh, mm. Because we're supposed to cover our flaws, right? But I feel like this is important for people who are on the journey as well, for entrepreneurship or whatever success that they want. Okay. So, when I started Love to Dress, of course, my iman was very high. I was studying the Quran. And subhanAllah, like my company did really well. But there there were a lot of challenges because I don't have any experience, um, you know, running a company. So, I don't know how to manage finances properly. I was making a lot of money. And I think that was a test from Allah. So, I was Mm. making a lot of money and then, you know, and it was a test. But I didn't know how to manage. So, as much as... I was making. I was also losing a lot
0: uh, uh, because I
1: had no experience in management, no experience in managing finances. Can sometimes when we want to do something, if smangat pun is not enough, actually we need experience and knowledge to do it. That's true. So then, as soon as money came, I also started to change. Um, My relationship with the Quran got it was kind of like non-existent by the time I started them, because, you know, I started to watch a lot of TVs and dramas and it didn't do me well. I mean, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying, like, we should know what is a good influence for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Some people can, but TVs and dramas, for me, they take me away from... I had to choose because, like, work takes a lot of time. So the only free time that I had is either I'm digesting the Quran or I'm getting influence from whatever drama, Netflix, mm-hmm. you know. And if I put myself with drama and Netflix, it makes me not want to deal with a lot of things that are happening within me,
0: Mm. my
1: emotional self. Because as we're going through the journey of entrepreneurship or whatever, you know, we will be going through a lot, like a lot. And that test is very difficult, whether we're going up or we're going down. So by the time I started Olam, you know, I was facing a lot of success. But at the same time, I was moving away actually from my dream. I really was. Um, a lot of my time had went to something else instead of the Quran. And that's when I started Olam because I wanted to change to, you know, modest fashion. Suddenly, my brand didn't suit me anymore. Mm. Um, I just felt love to dress. Identity is not me anymore, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm. Uh, So, you will not believe what happened.
0: What happened? Oh my God. It went
1: down. It went down. It went like that. It went boom.
0: Oh my God. Really,
1: it really went bomb. And on top of that, I went through something difficult, which was retrenchment. So I had to let go of people, number Mm. one, and my team left. Mm. My team left me. So that was probably the hardest phase ever in my life I had to face. Mm. Because it looks as if I'm fine, but on the inside, I'm crumbling.
0: Mm. And
1: I have no way of escaping this reality that's happening. But at the same time, I'm running a company, so you know I have debts to pay. I found myself in a lot of debt, so I had to find whatever courage that I have left to continue going, even though inside I was dying. I was literally like in so much pain. And mm. when I woke up, I told my husband, "I don't know what to do with it. I'm, I I feel like I want to die. I, don't mm. know, I feel like I want to die." And on top of that, what got more complicated is that I started my company with the support of my sister, Asma. Yeah. So when that happened, you know, Asma as well left. Mm. There wasn't just a split in terms of my company, but there was a split personally as well. I couldn't talk to my sister. Mm. Oh my gosh, that was the hardest thing. I couldn't talk to my sister because obviously at that time, I didn't have any wisdom, kan? Uh, I felt like, Asma, why would you leave? I mean, so much that, why would you leave me? Uh, you know, at least don't leave at the same time that other people are leaving. Help me help, save some face. Oh my God, like it was just nonsense. Like I was just <sighs> going through so much tests. Uh, I, I felt, don't leave at the same time because people, I'm embarrassed. I was, so, I, know, like, I was so embarrassed.
0: When did this happen? Like two years ago? Two years ago,
1: yeah. So I was so embarrassed. And after my team left and then Asmart left, I couldn't even have a relationship with my family. I was completely cut off. Mm. The only person that I could talk to was my husband. Mm. Uh, And that was such a difficult phase in my life. But subhanallah, uh, that was also the thing that brought me back. So Mm. after I was alone, Alhamdulillah, like I started to look into myself and say, what happened? Let's take a look at myself and then... I realized that, you know, sometimes when there's nowhere else to go, but you only have to go to Allah because it's just nowhere else. Everything in your life has just collapsed, mm. uh, And I cannot depend on my husband as well because I don't live with my husband here in Saudi. My husband actually lives away from me. He only comes back during the weekend. Oh, really? So all those times. Yes, I actually don't live together. Only on weekends, my husband is with me. Oh, Subhanallah. That must be so hard for you. Yes, it was. I will not deny that it was so hard. So it was just you and Allah. It's just me and Allah. So what I ended up doing is just cry and pray, and cry and pray, and Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. With now, uh, mm. now I feel the real lesson in entrepreneurship, all that thing was so painful for me. But this is. The number one lesson, if anybody is interested to be a success in this life. Uh, As a Muslim, we can never depend on anything but Allah. Mm. Not even our family, not even our action, never. You know, no matter how nice they are, Allah will test us with it. No matter how amazing our business is, Allah will test us for it. Mm. No matter how, whatever, you know, like Allah will test us for it. Like the only thing that we can rely on when we've worked hard or we have an awesome family, is Allah. Mm-mm. Those things Allah can take away anytime. That's number one.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. Number two is, of course, we got to have ikhlas in what we do. For sure. You know, why do we do it? Because when money comes in, it's very hard to have ikhlas,
0: mm. actually.
1: Ikhlas kinds of, you know, it gets blurry. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm doing it for fame Maybe I'm doing it for money. Whenever I make dua to Allah, it is Rabbana Atina fi dunya hasana wa fi akhirati hasana. It is always success in this world and the akhirah because we are always in need. we go to Allah and ask Ya Allah. You know I'm so ikhlas. I don't need anything. <laughs> of course we do, kan. <laughs> we make dua to Allah because we need. We are in need constantly. But ultimately, it has to be seeking Allah's pleasure. And if there's anything in our life, in my life that I'm doing. That I'm struggling to be obedient to Allah, that's a worthwhile struggle to be in, like struggle Mm. to be obedient to Allah, to find Allah's pleasure in what we do, and 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 that is ikhlas. Mm. It's not really you know rocket science to be ikhlas. It's just like if we really want to be ikhlas in doing something, are we following what Allah's command? Like, are we being submissive to Him, or we're thinking, oh no, you know, I think I know better. Mm. I, I think I know better than Allah. Let's not follow Allah's command. <laughs> you know, let's let's follow my command. <laughs> just mm. like that. So all this journey, uh, it has brought me to this, and it was very difficult. But at the same time, Allah is the best planner. Like I yeah, had sure. to go through that to be who I am today. Can Mm-mm. of course I say this with a pinch of salt, eh? Meaning that I wish I never disobeyed Allah. Mm. I'm going to say that, okay? I wished that part, I am so much, um, I wish I didn't do it, but I did. There were Mm. times where I was disobedient to Allah, but it was part of my journey. Uh,
0: Alhamdulillah. It's just giving me goosebumps, that story, because when you look at Olam and you look at the Instagram and you look at the beautiful collection, never would have thought that you were struggling so much. You know, and then just knowing the story behind it, it's my level of respect towards you. It just like skyrocketed because um, nobody knows exactly. Like we all just see the finished product. The consumers just see what's done, what's ready, um, but they don't see... The crying, the sleepless nights, the oh my god, will anyone buy this? Like, oh my god, my relationship within my own self, within my family, with Allah. These are all things that are happening concurrently as you are trying to launch a collection. And we forget we forget that there is actually a a human being behind a brand. We just disconnect. We just see like the product. We don't see the the people behind it. So thank you so much for sharing that part of the story. And I can say like following your brand, and I'm a huge fan because like your aesthetics and your line and your design, they're also beautifully crafted. Your last eat collection, like you can tell that there is a huge presence of faith in the collection Alhamdulillah you overcame that part of your life and um, I can't wait to see more more creations from you inshallah Sumi Alhamdulillah
1: Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah. yeah but you know like as I'm telling you this like we are privileged to be Muslim because we have a way to deal with this pain that we go through in life Mm -mm. we are privileged uh, in that way like Mm. when we go through pain there is a way for us to deal with it properly Mm -mm. I think You know, we can deal with our emotions and stuff like that. Mm. But it was hard before initially too. It was hard because I didn't have anybody to go to. But because of that, it brought me back to Allah. Mm. That was why it was hard. Because all those tough moments, I still am going through it now. Ah, Mm. As an entrepreneur, I still have the same uh, struggle. But, oh subhanallah. Now when we have Islam, katakanlah we get upset, you know. Why would I want to go and tell anybody when I can tell Allah? I can go to Allah first because He can help me. If I go to other people, the best that they can do is listen. And sometimes I fight with them because I find (laughs) I'm not a good listener. You know (laughs) I mean? Like, oh my God. But when we talk to Allah, instantaneously, we can deal with that emotion. We don't have to keep something bottled up.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And then that sense of relief when we feel like, yeah, Allah, I am in no control in my life. Can you just sort out my life? And I'm just going to be happy with whatever that's going to come my Mm. way, inshallah. We feel so much better. Yeah. Sometimes instantaneously, we see the result of that problem being, you know, sorted. Yeah. And sometimes it comes a bit later, but we can deal with it so much better. So right. I think that I still have the same problems, just like everybody else, you know.
0: But you're better equipped.
1: Yeah, we, are, <laughs> we have so much better way to cope with, you know, Mashallah. especially solat lah.
0: Mm. when you were telling your story you mentioned about like how you were away from the quran for a little bit um and i actually wanted to talk to you about your relationship with the quran obviously it's a huge part of your life but i wanted to ask Mm -hmm. you like considering how you run your own business and i'm sure you're a very busy woman how do you maintain consistency in building your relationship with the Quran? And I think this is you know, um, very useful for other women out there who have a lot of things to juggle on their plate, but who would like to have a firm relationship with the Quran. What would be your tip?
1: Number one, I think we got to choose our priority in life. What's our priority? Uh, I had to let go of something to let in something. Correct. Like if I didn't let go of my addiction with dramas, I couldn't be close to the Quran. I'm, and this is the truth. Uh, I had to forego something to can with something else. Mm. So that's number one. Like I had to make a choice, which mm-hmm. is something more important to me. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then number two is, of course, friends. The kind of people that I surround myself with. It's so important to have a group of halakha wherever I am because they kind of like become my anchor. Like yeah. um, when I look at them and there's somebody much better than me, I feel like, look at what, she can do that, you can do it as well. You know, like you, we have to have a, uh, uh, surround ourselves, I think. It has to be a conscious decision to surround ourselves with people who want to get closer to the deen. Uh, mm,
0: that's
1: true. We, as humans, we do the best to kind of like show Allah, this is the first step that I'm taking and I'm making some effort. The number three is, of course, dua. I feel like ultimately, if I've made an effort, then I ask Allah like, help me.
0: Mm. Because I'm
1: struggling kan. Uh, just like everybody else, kita semua struggling. So I feel like, memang my doa is my, my MO. <laughs> my <laughs> MO. Uh, <laughs> this is nice. my secret MO. Uh. Ultimately, this is my, it's kind of like my weapon lah. Uh, yeah. It's like, we can't depend on anything else. you know. So, we gotta ask Allah for help lah. Please make me uh, firm. Especially firm in uh, whatever that I've gone through makes me, even though sekarang ni, let's say we are close to the Quran, oh, doesn't mean tomorrow we will be. Yeah, that is so true, right? (laughs) Oh, no way. There's no guarantee. We always have to be on the, eh, on the toes. Yeah. Always on our toes. Always walking on thin ice. I'm always walking on thin ice. I feel like tomorrow, I don't know what's going to happen. So, better doa and just chakak, you know, keep me firm in my faith. Keep me firm because that's so difficult. Mm. Only Allah can do that for us, I think.
0: MashaAllah. That's really great tip. Like, very realistic, doable, but also very comprehensive. Like, you covered all fronts. So, number one is, it's a logical tip. Like, you got to choose if you want to have the Quran close to you, you need to sacrifice things that are stopping you from being with the Quran, right? Number two, it's Mm. a very like Mm -mm. um, environmental kind of like advice, which is having good companions and having good friends. That is so, so important because when you're with them, they're a reminder that you can do better. You can get closer to Allah even more. And then obviously, we cannot forget dua. Like you said, it is the weapon of the believer. So I love all the tips. Thank you so much to me. We'll try to like put that into practice, inshallah. So we've been recording for a while and I want to ask you rapid fire questions, okay? So don't think too much about it. Okay, Bismillah. What have you been happy about lately? My husband. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> what have you been excited about lately? Olam. What have you been grateful about lately? Islam. What have you been afraid of lately?
1: Going back to not being close to Allah. Mm.
0: Mm. What have you been embarrassed about lately?
1: Not praying on time. Ya Allah. Ya Allah.
0: (laughs) It's so like annoying. (laughs) Oh, Because... Got it. Okay. I love those answers. Mashallah. I do want to like end the episode with two more questions. Inshallah. Okay. The first one is, if you have a chance to... Speak to the whole world for one minute. What would you say?
1: La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. Try Islam. You're going to love it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's what I'm going to say. Try Islam. You're going to love it.
0: (laughs) I love the approach. And then you're going to end it with a huge laugh, like, you know. So that people will yeah. know, that like, you are extremely happy about the religion, Mashallah.
1: No, they're gonna see. They're gonna think I'm nuts, but that's fine. <laughs> yes.
0: And it just came to you, right? You were inspired to answer that way, so that made it even more special to me. The fact that it was just an <laughs> impromptu answer, Mashallah.
1: Yeah. I think yeah if I had a message to the world that'll that that that'll be it
0: yeah that's <laughs> that'll be it yeah. <laughs> okay Yeah. and then the last question that I wanted to ask you is that because we don't know what's going to happen right don't know if you're mm-hmm. going to go back to Malaysia or you're going to stay in Saudi so if you were Mm-mm. to send a message to your future self mm-hmm. what would it be?
1: if you stick to Quran and Sunnah you're going to be fine
0: you move away all hell break loose <laughs> that's it <laughs> I feel like the advice is also for me. I need it.
1: I need it to hear it today. MashaAllah. That's a summary, isn't it? Of what we have been talking about. Correct.
0: Actually, if you were to dilute eat all, right? At the end of the day, that's the bottom line. Like, just stick to the religion. Just stick to Allah. Stick to the Prophet yeah. SAW. Stick to the Quran. And you'll be fine. Just yeah, chill. You'll, you'll be, be fine. fine.
1: Like, doesn't mean that our life is going to be a bed of roses. Lah, kan? Mm. But it makes us deal with life better. Yeah. Uh, we have the tools to deal with life. The challenges that come with life. If yeah. we don't have the Quran and Sunnah, who's going to be the reference? Yeah. I don't know how to be a nice person until I study the Sirah. Let's say, like... I have an idea what a nice person is. But that's just my idea of what a nice person is. Mm. I have to see an example of what being kind is. I have to mm. see an example what being a good person is. So, for example, okay, I'm a boss, so that means I can also be scary. Betul? Uh, yes. On Instagram, I can be cute and I can be sweet, you know, but my employees definitely say, oh my God, she's scary. <laughs> so, how do we find ways to deal with negativity? So, let's say, how do we find ways to deal with anger? Mm. Uh, if I don't learn the sirah, then I think that as a boss, I should never be angry. but So, mm. I will keep everything bottled up because I want to be kind eh tak mm-hmm. boleh be angry mesti cakap dengan employee nicely blah 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 betul but that's not realistic and it makes kalau, yeah if I do that if I keep myself bottled up and everything Sooner or later, I'm going to be a very angry person. She's yeah. going to be like, you know, a volcano. Yeah. But when we study the sirah, what do we learn? Hey, Rasulullah Sallallahu Wasallam, Do get angry. He gets angry, but how does he deal with anger? There mm. you go. Mm. So when I learn that, oh, he does get angry, so what does he do? Okay, you know, at instances where I knew that he did get angry, he would express his anger, but in a more reasonable manner. But how do I express my anger in a reasonable manner if, I don't have a way to deal with that emotion in the first place. But mm. Let's say I'm angry with you, Ida, And, you know, um, if I don't have the Quran and Sunnah, I wouldn't know how to deal with you properly, which I'm, especially if you're my employee, because I have an authority over you. Mm. It's very easy for me to say things that are hurtful to you because of out of anger. It's very easy for me to be uh, sinister, sarcastic, yeah. use all Snappy. these things. Yeah. Snappy, right. But if I have the Quran and Sunnah, what I learn is, take a break. If I'm angry... Take a step back, do my salah. Do my salah, calm down, ask Allah for guidance, come back to the problem. Mm. This thing looks very easy, but actually it's very not easy to do it. It It's simple, it's a really simple principle. But unless I have the Quran and Sunnah, it's very hard for me to know actually how to deal with my emotion. Mm -mm. And how to actually be somebody that is kind, Mm -mm. but also in a position of authority. Because there are some times where you're going to say no. And no is a no. If I didn't study the seerah, I would never know that it takes both sides of me to be whole. Mm. It's not just kindness. You know, kindness also comes with being firm. Um, You know, all these things that perfect us as a human being. Right, yeah. This is the reason why it's important to stick to the Quran and Sunnah. When I mean Sunnah, of course, is. To, how can we not learn the sirah if we want to follow the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, isn't it? Because I always did have the Quran but I never had the sirah part, the sunnah. Mm. But when I learned the sirah, put things in perspective, ooh I become more chill. Like, okay, so people get angry. Yay! <laughs> Let's get angry. He says that I find a better way to deal with it. Uh, I don't mm. get angry. Macham like, just you know no say something reason. bad to my stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's that, that. But at the same time, I don't keep things bottled up. Mm. I can be constructive, and I can't be. I can be strong when I need to. And I can learn to put my gut down when I when I need to. I mm. get uh, bagi kita wisdom that nobody can ever give us. Mm. Nobody can give us that wisdom unless it comes from a prophet.
0: It is a
1: muqjizat actually. Uh, he, his life itself is a
0: testimony of the truthfulness of Islam. Mm. Mm. That's beautiful. I feel like it's a kind of love that I recently just started tasting the sweetness of getting to know the Prophet wasalam, and getting to know the sirah.
1: Mashallah. Like you
0: said, it, it will change the perspective of your life and you somehow feel like yes. there is this ally or a friend or a confidant that you can look up to. But then also just knowing that 1,400 years ago, he, Sallallahu Alaihi made dua for us. He, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, stayed up all night yes. and cried for us. I just yes. thought like, oh my God, this man who has never met me, who had the entire world... At his footstep but yet he chose to, you know, sacrifice so much for us. Yeah, I think what Sumi and I are trying to say to you guys listening out there, if if you've never taken the opportunity or taken the time to fall in love with this man, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, please do yourself a favor. Like Sumi said, try learning about the Sirah. You will love it. Yeah, Inshallah. Maybe this would be a nice end to the podcast episode. If you could maybe share resources that people could go to or books that they could read or lectures oh, they could listen yes. to? What would be some that you can recommend?
1: Okay, so I think when it comes to the Sira, the most extensive Sira work that I've ever encountered would be in English, uh, would be from uh, Yasir Qadi. It's online, it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. There's 104 videos. Masha'Allah. Uh, and every video is one hour. But. Oh, wow. I don't listen to it like it's an academic something. I listen to it when I'm cooking. You know, when yeah, we're doing something.
0: Yeah.
1: And, oh my God, like, you're going to be surprised how many times. Like, he's... Kadi's a scholar, right? So, he's yeah. going to say, like, oh, it doesn't mean anything. But you're crying. Yeah, he's going to, okay, you know, this is what the sahaba went through. <laughs> and then we're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know, like, oh, what do. at the other end, we're cooking. And we're like, oh my God. Like, oh. What like, We get so emo, you know, listening to how they struggle with mm. Their, mm. Uh, what their jihad was like. Mm.
0: Uh, of
1: course, we will never, ever understand completely because they are on another level. But on our part, we can relate to the tiny, tiny little things that we go through Mm-mm. compared to them. Mm-mm. We can relate. Uh, Got
0: actually. it. Okay. So, Yasir
1: Kadi would be, yeah.
0: So, guys, no reason to not start because it's on YouTube. <laughs> There are 104 videos to check out. So uh, it's <laughs> such an extensive um, resource. At this day and age, you really have no excuse. You can yes. learn if you if you put the time in. Mm-hmm. So go check that out straight after listening to this podcast episode, inshallah. Um, and with that, thank you so much for listening in. Sumi, thank you so much for being my guest. I've learned so much from our conversation together. And I make dua for you. I pray that Allah only grant you success Grant you to Ameen, be closer Ameen. to the Quran and may Allah use Ameen, you in Ameen. his path to share more about the deen, about the Quran. Ameen, mean. And I Ameen. hope to see you one day in person.
1: Yes! Oh my God, Asma has been trying to, you know, say, inshallah. oh my God, Sumi, you have to meet Aida, you have to meet Ida. you know. I'm inshallah. like, okay, okay, Asma, I will, I will, Allah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mashaAllah. She speaks so highly of you. I uh, thank really. you so much, Aida, for this wonderful interview. I've been meaning to want to kind of like tell actually what was my journey, but I never found the right time oh. and subhanAllah. I've never revealed actually um, the things that I've revealed to you, to anybody um, except for my husband. Oh yeah, I'm husband number two. Yay! I'm so happy to reveal it to you. I feel like Allah Ta'ala has uh, susun
0: my life that you're going to be the person that I can talk to. MashaAllah. I'm happy to be that person. Yeah, and I think we're going to um, have more private conversation after I stop recording this audio because I have more questions to ask. Yes, <laughs> I have questions to ask you. Okay, so I want to have an interview with you. So bye, <laughs> listeners. Bye-bye. I'm going to be talking to Sumi now. All right. alaikum, guys. We'll see you on the next one, inshallah. Wa
1: alaikum. Wa alaikum. Hey, assalamu alaikum. Shall I say assalamu alaikum?
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for listening in to the episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and have taken away a new idea, have gotten a new perspective or some gems of wisdom, inshallah. If you'd like to hear more from me, I also write my Tuesday love letters and I'd love for you to join us. To subscribe for free, just head on over to idaazlin.com, enter your email address and that's it. The following Tuesday, inshallah, you'll receive a love letter sent straight to your inbox. And with that, I'll see you in the next episode inshallah. Till then, please do take care. Bye! Thank you.